0: Welcome to Big Time Adulting the Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray, and I'm here to take it deep with you on adulthood, womanhood, motherhood, and whatever other things end in hood that we can think of. It's going to be real. It's going to be honest. And we are going to laugh until a little pee comes out. If you've been looking to find a podcast to relate to as a woman and a mom, and you're kind of awesome, which you definitely are, subscribe now. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Big Time Adulting Podcast. Here we are again. I'm really trying to um, get better about inviting guests to be on this podcast with me. So uh, wouldn't you know it, this fucking morning, this morning, I asked my good friend, Laura Farrington, um, to be a guest on my podcast. And it wasn't out of nowhere entirely. We um, have been speaking about her coming on as a guest for... Months, I would say months now since I started this. Um, Laura is a an incredible person. We met while we were living in New York City. Um, Laura was an intern for the company that I was working at at the time, called the American Ireland Fund. Should we even disclose that so people found out more about the shit that we got into while we were there? <laughs> Laura, what year was that when we were like
1: Oh my goodness! Oh, go ahead, say hello. Hi everyone, and thank you so much for having me. You know, I was just thinking there, Caitlin, it's 14 years and five kids between us later Holy shit, that we're now speaking, because I was 20, I'm now 34 when we met in New York, and I was underage, I wasn't able to drink, because the legal age for drinking is 21 there, and it's 18 here in Ireland, so um, well, I, I figured it out stop though.
0: didn't you, didn't, didn't <laughs>
1: It did not stop me. But uh, that was a fun time. We were very bold.
0: Yeah. So I think I was then, uh, so that was 2014? 2014. 2014. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to do the math right now, but I think I was like. You were 26.
1: Yeah. 25, 26. I remember yeah. it was your 26th birthday when we were there and you thought you were so old. You're like, I don't want to celebrate. I'm so old. Oh and I was God. like, you are. You are so old. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm turning 40 next month. Oh wow, yeah. um, And you're coming to Dublin. And I'm coming to Dublin for my 40th, going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers play in Dublin for my 40th. Oh, wow. they They're pretty badass, right? So we're going to have to figure out our meetup.
1: Yeah. We'll have but, to grab a martini.
0: Or two. Yeah. If you can Definitely. handle it, because Laura has a uh, a second new baby who's just born in April, little girl, Freya. Yeah,
1: she's seven weeks and she is amazing, but she has colic. Oh. So this break doing the podcast is just the best. Yeah. So, so it's, happy to be here. <laughs> right now
0: it's like seven o'clock Ar- Irish time almost or 6.45 or something.
1: Yeah. So she's going through her crazies at 6.45.
0: Yeah. And it's right now it's, it's, it's 1.45 here. So, okay.
1: so, it's not drinking time or to no, have a drink time drinking time. It's a bit I too early.
0: Be, it might be a dry night for me, Laura. Actually. Okay. And yeah. Okay. Just, uh, we had, you know, we had Memorial Day weekend. It was a long weekend here. Oh yeah. So there was, you know, a few opportunities for a couple extra drinks this weekend. So. So you're tired. Reel it in. Feel good. I feel good, but just kind of, you know, give it all, give the body a rest, and keep keep the health train going for yeah. some more days. <laughs> Um before I fall off of it again. Anyway, uh so Laura was an intern with the company that I worked for. We literally were like a, a train without tracks running around New York City wild and free. Um we had a lot of fun together. Um and I was devastated, honestly, when Laura left and had to go back and her internship ended. Although I think we kept you for an extra year somehow. We finagled you an extra visa or something, but.
1: Something, but I, I had to go, I had to finish college. Like my parents yeah, were we like, Laura, come school. home. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to stay for another few years. I think I'm going to live here. And they were like, no, you're not. Come home. You have to finish college.
0: <laughs> All right. So you go back to Ireland. You finish school and you get a job working in the corporate world.
1: Yes, so I go home, I finish my degree, I do a master's, and then I move to London for a few years and work for a big telecoms company, Vodafone. You probably, your listeners probably know it. It's like the Verizon Wireless of Europe. Um, So I'm in this big corporate job. It was never really what I wanted, but it was like, I thought it was what I should do. So I was there for a few years until I reached the age of 25, 26 when oh, I thought I was so old. I was so old. I was really old. I was, couldn't believe I didn't have my life figured out yet. And um, I was on one of those um, incentive trips. So corporate companies send people like, you know, people that do well and hit their targets on these incentive trips. So I went to they sent us a bunch of us to Malaysia um, and I brought my mom. So I was over there, like my manager was there. There was loads of people from all over the company, from different parts of Europe. And we just had a great time for like five or six days. Um, I can remember feeling off when I was there. I just had really, really bad anxiety and I couldn't put my finger on why. But like it it all made sense later on. Um, so had a great time. We pack up the trip from Ireland to Malaysia is ridiculous it's like 20 to 24 hours like it just took us so long to get there and it took us longer to get home my flight was delayed but we land in Dublin airport and me and my mom are on the bus home to my house and on that bus home I get a call from my dad I pick up the phone and it's my brother and my brother tells me that my dad has passed um, I didn't know how at the time but weirdly, the bus was literally driving by my dad's house. So I jumped up. We So many strange things happen now when I think back. I jumped up. The bus driver stopped because it's not like the States. There's small roads in Ireland. He stopped the bus. I jumped off. My mom jumped off. And we ran straight to his house. And when we got there, there was like police everywhere. There, our neighbors were all out on the street. I thought he'd had a heart attack um, but he had taken his own life. So my dad had killed himself. Um, which as you can imagine was, there was lots of screaming. It was all very traumatic. Um, I tried to run into the back garden. That's where he was found. I tried to run into the back garden, but the police like held me back and everyone just said, you're better off not seeing that. So that I mean, I could talk about that piece for a long time, but I won't. Um,
0: uh, Can I ask a quick question about that experience? Yeah. Do you wish that you had seen him?
1: No, I'm glad I didn't now. Yeah, at the time, I wanted to run and just hold him or hug him. or I don't know what I wanted to do, um, but I am glad, given the way that he passed away, uh, it was probably best I didn't see him. Um, It wasn't uh, pretty seen um, to put it mildly so that day was probably probably the most traumatic day that i've ever had in my life like you think um,
0: that you had seen had were you completely blindsided by this
1: no if i'm being honest my dad had always suffered from mental health issues i just never thought he would take it that far Um, but he had, he had been slowly declining. So my dad, um, to sum him up in about 60 seconds had suffered from bipolar disorder, um, manic depression, and was also diagnosed with schizophrenia in his last two or three years. So he was very, very sick. My dad himself, his story is he had a nervous breakdown when he was 16 years old and in Ireland was put into a, what then would have been known as an asylum. And you can only imagine what an asylum in Ireland was like in the sixties and seventies. They were not nice places. They were pretty scary. They were run by the church. Um,
0: Oh Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. And as a 16 year old, he was given a lot of electric shock treatment and that God, I know. And that mushed up his brain and he was on medication from 16 years of age until he passed at 57. Um, And he never got the proper help he needed. He never got therapy. He never dealt with his demons. He just kept medicating. He drank a lot. He was definitely suffering from alcoholism towards the end. And that was, to be honest, that was the least of his worries. I was watching a show last night about kids dealing with alcoholic parents. And I was like, God, you know, when I think back, like my dad was an alcoholic, but it was the least of our problems when it came to my dad. Um, he was so, so mentally ill and he was just really, really sick. Our whole lives, our whole lives he was. Um, like I can remember another kind of pinnacle moment. I'll always remember my mom telling me, and my bro- she told me first, I think I was 12. We were driving over to my auntie's house and she said, I have to tell you something. Me and your dad are getting a divorce. And I can just remember feeling relief. Like, oh, thank God. Thank God he's going to be out of the house because... I just didn't feel safe with him around. He wasn't a safe parent or a safe space. And for most people, a divorce is quite traumatic, especially when you're a child. Um, Like, I didn't think that was weird until one of my friends, her parents divorced when she was 19 and she was in a really bad place about it. And I was like, oh, my God, Um,
0: I was about the same age as you when my parents told me they were separating and I thought my life was like over
1: i was relieved i was like thank god it's it. that's for the best for sure and as a child you just know you know by how you feel
0: yeah so um this happens, and you see i guess you see this happen with your dad and like how traumatic this experience was for you and you're just back from this crazy trip and what's what's like next you have to go back to life next or
1: so that day when it all happened, um, that day I left my job. So <laughs> it sounds really dramatic, but I knew that day I was like, I'm not going back to that job. I'm not happy. And what was so weird was I was at the top of my game. I'd won this salesperson of the year. I got a new promotion, more money and a new car. And I was traveling all over Europe. And I thought that's everything that I wanted. And I was miserable. Um, I was just miserable in the job, I was never meant for corporate life. Like, I'm not meant for that kind of role. I'm not meant to be sitting at a desk all day. It's just not who I am. And I always knew that deep down, but I kept following that path that I felt we should all be on, which is you get the job, you get the house, you get married, you have kids, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that day I left my job. And to cut a very long story short, because this is probably a completely different podcast and topic, is in that space of time, I left my job. I went to India. I studied yoga and meditation for about two months um, at the in the Himalayas. It was just unbelievable. Um, that experience taught me what it was like to feel calm and peaceful because most of my life I'd been an anxious, stressed out mess. And to be honest, even though I was doing really well in work at the time of my dad and all that, I didn't really like the person I was becoming. Um, So after that, I just started to change my whole life, mind, body, soul, career, even the guys I was dating. So I was dating a guy around the time that my dad passed and I just didn't even really like him. I don't know why I was dating him. (laughs) Um, I used to date the same kind of guy and then I met George, I was doing lots of yoga. We actually set up a business, a wellness business in that space of time. And I just changed everything. Even like my relationships with my friends got, some got worse, not worse is the word, some some got distanced and some got really strong. Um, and I think when you go something, through something like a trauma like that, you need people that are strong. And I was 25, most of my friends didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do. But unfortunately that created a distance between us and it created a lot of resentment in me, you know, I was was like, where were you guys? You were supposed to be my friends. But when I look back, I realize, you know, they didn't know what to say or do.
0: Um, So have you mended some of those friendships, uh, now, or is it kind of the distance?
1: Some I have, and then some I haven't. And so I suppose fast forward, my dad passes away fast forward three years later. I have met George, who I love, love of my life. We set up a business together. I have left the corporate world. I'm now doing loads of yoga, loads of self-care, loads of meditation. I'm becoming a better person. I'm starting to like the person that I am. Um, I'm not that stressed and anxious anymore. I'm still dealing with a lot with what happened with my dad. And I suppose anyone that's listening to this that has a parent or a friend that suffers from mental health issues when they pass, like when my dad passed, I wasn't just dealing with that day that he passed and the suicide. I was dealing with the 25 years of dealing with him and his mental health issues. Yeah. Like there was so much to unravel there. And there was so much I had to come to terms with myself about our relationship and things that were done, et cetera. Um, and that, I'm still working on that to this day. So I still go to therapy and talk about him regularly to this day. Um, so fast forward three years, I'm starting to mend relationships. And for the first time in my life, I'm starting to feel genuinely happy, um, happy in myself. I'm starting to feel really content. And yeah, life is just going good. And then we get a call. Um, my, my mom was having issues with her back. And of course, I'm going, let's do some yoga. Let's roll around on the floor. And I remember we were doing a yoga move on the floor one, one night and I was like massaging it and then she couldn't get up. I was trying to lift her up and she couldn't get up. And I was like, this isn't, this is something else. Like she couldn't, she couldn't move her whole body. So we got her into a specialist. This would have been January, 2019. Yeah. January, 2019. We got her into a specialist. He in 20 minutes said, I think you've got bone cancer. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I was like, okay, this is, is this happening again? Or anyway, you just, you can't think like that. You have to just go, okay, once we know, we know. So within two weeks, she was diagnosed with stage four bone and stage one colon cancer. So again, another day, I will never, ever forget. Um, like the shock of it was, I still hadn't recovered from my dad. You know, I was still dealing with that every day. I was still. how
0: can I possibly take this on right now also?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I had it in my head and I think a lot of people do like, okay, that was my trauma with my dad. That was my thing that I went through. It's it's going to be 10 years before something else happened. It's going to be 10, 20 years. Like, you know, I always thought my mom would live forever, Um, naively so, because I'd lost my dad, so I knew I knew that death was a th- like a thing before you lose someone. You don't realize that, you know, the we're all going to
0: die. The of it and the, the actual, the heaviness of the loss oh. of a family yeah. member.
1: Yeah. And I suppose the way my dad died, um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't cancer. He wasn't hit by a car. He took his own life. So um, there's a whole weird reasoning in your mind about that as well he wasn't taken he kind of decided he wanted to to take his own life so that's very different from someone dying from cancer it's a different kind of feeling you have around it. um so we got the call and look we just went straight into what's the plan how are we going to get through this and she got a plan we did chemo um for six months she lost her hair. I know you're familiar with the whole process. She was really, really sick. And in Christmas 2019, she got the all clear. They said, we don't even need to operate. Everything is clear. Um, all your cancer's gone. and uh, We were just thrilled. We were celebrating. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew. I was like, I just knew she would fight it. And I knew that this couldn't have been happening again. You know, I was like, we have to get... This was going to be a good story. This is going to be a positive story of strength and overcoming. And you know we're going to get through this. So then fast forward two months, um, she, she starts to have pains in her stomach. We go back into the hospital. She has cancer growing back in the colon. So they said, look, let's just remove it. We'll give you a hysterectomy. You don't need any of these organs anyway. Um, and we were all like, my mom was like, absolutely, get rid of it. Right. Let's just chop it out, um, to be blunt. So they went in, we had the operation. She came home. Um, I know it's had a hysterectomy, it's actually a really tough recovery. And she was at home recovering for a while. She was in a lot of pain. And the pain, after about six weeks, was not getting any better. And I remember saying, this should be getting easier. Like, it's six weeks now. This should be starting to lift a little, but it was getting worse. Um, So eight weeks after the hysterectomy, we bring her back into hospital. She's barely able to walk. She's hunched over. The pain is so bad. We get her back in and I'm thinking this is like a botched operation or their pain meds aren't right. Like what is going on? Anyway, I... Meet her one Friday. They'd done a load of scans that week, and she tells me that the cancer is back. It has spread. Um, it has spread to her bones. It has spread to her brain. It's everywhere. It's just, it's all over her body. Um, and so what
0: month are this? So, by, at Christmas that year, 2019, all clear. And now, where are we? at? We're in February or something?
1: We're in April. April. 2019. Okay. Yeah, and she had a hysterectomy in February. 2020 no sorry I'm going back here we're 2019 when she's in hospital so it would have been 2018 when she got diagnosed so it's not COVID it's not COVID
0: yeah oh no I wouldn't have thought that Yeah. yeah um so then how much longer was that until you lost her
1: the doctor told us 10 weeks so it was all very quick um she stayed for about three months but he said it's 10 weeks, um, they're going to do radiation, and that was that. It was honestly one of the most shocking, still to this day, very shocking. Even thinking about it and talking about it, I'm like, and I've talked about it so much. I know. Even talking about it, I'm just like,
0: I can't believe that happens, And can't fucking believe she's gone.
1: Yeah. Like, I was sitting there on my 30th birthday going, okay, both parents are gone. Um, and we're from a really small family. Like it was literally me, my brother, my mom, and my dad. Um, my mom's family live in the States. My dad wouldn't have been close to his family. So it was literally just the four of us. Yeah. And it was just the whole thing was horrendous. Like my, the last couple of weeks in hospital were amazing, but it was just this horrible story. And like nobody knew what to say or do. Um, people were very kind, especially the second time around, because I feel like people were like, okay, we didn't know what to do the first time.
0: Yeah. I also think people respond completely differently to those two scenarios. Like you said, like with your dad, people really didn't know what to say. And, mm. you know, with cancer, there's this so much empathy surrounding cancer and, um, and people, I think they feel like they, they know how to handle that more. um, Yeah, people don't know what to say
1: when it's suicide, if I'm honest, like, it's obviously a very dark subject and not everyone is familiar with it. Um, But the difference in support from both parents and both situations was night and day. Like, you know, it it was my mom, obviously, everyone just was so supportive, so amazing um and my dad was not it was very very quiet after he died
0: so with all of this um going on and you're you're going through like the second crazy round of grief and the process of losing another parent um so quickly and tragically what what's going on with you and like, are you anxious at this point? How's your mental, your mental health now? Like what's going on in your mind?
1: A lot of this is unfair, you know, feeling like hard done by, which is not a mindset that I like to adopt. Like I don't like that victim mindset because I would have had that in the past and my dad would have been very much a victim mindset. But, you know, after she passed, I just, for about a year, And when I look back at my first year with Farah, my daughter, my firstborn, I was still in the throes of it. You know, I still am grieving now, but it gets. How
0: far after your mom passed away was Farah born?
1: About a year. About a year and three months. Yeah. Yeah. I think after my mom died, I went, okay, I'm starting my family now. Like, there's been so much taken from me over the last couple of years. I want kids, I want a family. I want that love around me. Like when you lose your parents, that love and support goes with them. Yeah, and you just feel yeah. I just wanted to get going.
0: I've always felt since becoming a mom like there's no replacement for that type of love that you feel for your parents and like your your mom and dad until you have your own child. Like there's this this love that becomes the greatest love you've ever felt right when you have your own child and stuff and, and you, you can't imagine, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like just yeah. like, it's not a replacement for your parents, but it's,
1: it was a pretty damn good uh, healing. Yeah. She was a great healing part of my whole grief journey for sure. Like it was the first time I think I was, I can honestly say I felt happy since my mom had passed like those obviously happy moments and stuff me and George have a lot of fun and I was out with friends but having Farah was just it just felt so light in a when my life had been quite dark and heavy for so long and I actually didn't realize how dark and heavy my life had been feeling until I had her and then you're like oh this is so nice this lovely little kid baby is just amazing and you know at the time Ireland was in when I had her it was in a level five lockdown so Ireland a little different from the States was in a level five lockdown for about two years like we were just in complete lockdown for so long but I didn't even notice it isn't that funny because I was just absorbed with this Uh, yeah I was just at home with my baby just loving it I just absolutely loved it
0: um yeah i know a lot of people like because i've talked about this on instagram and stuff so much like a lot of people have been like what the fuck like i can't even bring my baby to meet my family members and that kind of thing and i just want this these lockdowns to be over with and that such and such and such. i found the first you know i would say just maybe under a year of having a child to be like i didn't really really want to go much of anywhere yeah me i always too. kind of wanted to be home it like gave me as you were just saying we were talking like offline before we started like there's a bit of anxiety about leaving your baby yeah in the beginning and stuff when your kids are like really little because there's just so many little things that you worry about happening if you're away
1: for sure like i loved that like no one was knocking on the door no one was like pulling at her holding her she was all mine and we were in this lovely little bubble in the house um and it was just so lovely like i even remember when i was in the hospital with farah no there was no guests allowed in because of covid they were so strict with the maternity hospitals here so i went through the bulk of the birth by myself i remember everyone was like oh my god that's so traumatizing how are you feeling and i was like it just wasn't traumatizing for me i think i'd been through so much trauma before that being largely by myself for the birth of farah this wasn't a traumatizing
0: but you did day. have a really you had a really really tough birth experience
1: yeah it was tough it was very very tough it was i was adduced i was 14 days overdue which in the us is they only let you go five so in ireland they will let you go a full 14 days oh, no, they used... they'll
0: let you go uh full over a week overdue here oh a week okay uh, more than i have friends who are like two and a half weeks oh really okay it's fake news laura fake news, fake
1: news. That's like, okay interesting okay.
0: Um, all right so but you were that's that's fucking horrible two weeks overdue
1: it was hard i was huge i was huge like i knew i was not gonna be able to push this 10 pound baby out easily with ease um so 15 days they induced me it took 24 hours to for my induction I was in being induced for 24 hours and nothing happened nothing at all happened like I I was having contractions but my cervix was still tight slammed shut I was in so much pain this
0: is like my birthing experience sort of yeah I ended up with a c-section though
1: you went so I probably should have had a c-section on my first but instead they uh I had an episiotomy, which is where they cut you down below. I know what it is. (laughs) They cut you down below so you don't tear. And Farah was born with forceps.
0: Oh, God, you poor woman.
1: So I had a C-section on Freya, my second. And it's an easier recovery than my first birth, which was vaginal yeah so that's how bad the your
0: first one was. yeah so awful that's yeah I feel so badly for you for it so this being said like you've you've gone through like massive amounts of grief losing your parents like this unexpectedly basically both times and now you have a baby and you're just so grateful to like start your own family but how did you actually like you know, I know you keep it real about motherhood and stuff too. It's hard, right? Like it's not all just like light and happiness and thank God. Like it is, I I honestly just felt, I was really appreciative or, um, you know, I felt, I love seeing that you expressed the difficulties of being a new mom for the first time also on your Instagram page. Um, despite this overwhelming feeling of gratitude that I know that you also had for, Welcoming your your baby into your life, and um, I just wanted to ask you: after having gone through like this massive amount of grief, and then like the difficulty of being a mom for the first time, and welcoming your child and processing it all, how um, how have you coped with all of this? Like, what tips do you have for for, for those of us out there who might be going through hard times?
1: God I'd say the first thing for me that really really has helped not just through grief loss mental health issues kids is through everything is talking about it the minute i started talking about my dad my mom everything i'd gone through you know even my past the childhood kind of family issues we'd been through I felt like a weight had been lifted off my back. Every time I talk about it, I feel lighter. And I suppose that goes for everything in life. But unfortunately, grief just isn't talked about like everything else is. Like you can find loads of mom accounts out there. You can find literally anything out there, you know, any topic to talk about. But when you talk about grief, when we talk about suicide, when we talk about mental health issues, it's getting better, but it's just not quite there. And when it comes to grief, we're all going to go through it. No one's no one's getting out of it without having an experience with grief. We're all going to pass away at some point. And um, for those of you that have lost people, like that's something you realize when you go through multiple losses. You go, okay, you know, we're not all going to make it to hundred. Some of us won't even make it, you know, past forty. There's going to be times when you lose best friends and you go through that time in your life and it would be so much nicer if we could all talk about it a bit more. And it was a bit more normalized, like having been through the death of my mom and my dad and then going through the birth of both my daughters. I'm like, oh, my God, the celebration of the births as it should be and the amount of people that like gather around you, the amount of support you feel is amazing. And I'm not saying it's not and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But that support would have been so welcomed when I really needed it when I was going through the loss. The loss is when I needed the support. The birth of my daughters was a happy time. You know, that was happy. That was, that was great. I could have
0: navigated that, you know, myself. Um, what would you say for people who maybe don't know what to do? Like, what what things to you did you find to be the most supportive going through the grief process? Is it just literally somebody acknowledging what happened and asking, how are you doing? Or is it more than that, um, or both? Whatever.
1: I think if you're friend, if it's someone close to you, it's just being there. It's not even about talking about it, but it's going for a glass of wine, you know, asking people how they are. A lot of the time, people won't want to talk about it, but it's still nice to know that someone is there. Because what happened with me is a lot of people disappeared and then reappeared six months later, and I, you know, I. I I was, I was angry. I was very angry at the time. And I I was questioning friendships and these are good people. They're still my friends today, but be present, be there. Just check in is the simplest thing and acknowledge what they've been through. Because a lot of the time people say, and this is a huge thing. I don't want to upset you. I didn't want to bring it up, but that person is living it every single day. You bringing it up is not, is, it's not irrelevant, but you're not telling them something they don't already know. You know, when someone is grieving, they're living it 24-7 every single day. So you saying to them, I hope you're okay. You know, I know your mom. I know you're probably missing your mom or your dad or your sibling or your kid. Um, I'm here for you. I know you might not want to talk about it, but if you do, let's grab a drink or whatever
0: yeah so small and little acknowledgement. anyway because you're not like a pariah to me now that you've been through something difficult like we can still have fun but I don't you know
1: yeah like I felt like I I was I felt like people had cut me out of their lives after my dad died I felt like I was someone that was tainted I ended up feeling loads of shame because i had to get loads of therapy for that because i was like what's wrong with me that no one wants to be around me anymore
0: you know what's interesting to me about you by the way is that even through all of um like what ha- you had been through in your childhood and saying having not like a, a stable safe place in a parent with your dad that you never have seemed that way and i know you run anxious like i run anxious and stuff, mm-hmm. um but you you've always had like a lot of uh, wisdom intuition and stability about you as a person.
1: Yeah, I think like something to talk about like more positive what has come from all of this is I really after my dad died, I kind of realized you know life is short and I was miserable in my job, so I'm like what am I doing here? I could I could in my head I was like I'm probably going to die when I'm 35. I might as well Give the business a shot. Yeah, like, I would never have gone to India had my dad not died. But in my head, I'm going, why not? Like, you know, I'll add this as an experience to my life. And at least if I die in two years, I'll have gone to India. Like that's how my mind now works. Um,
0: so how does your mind? Okay, so now you you've got two kids and you can't just go to India, mm-hmm. um, right? So like, how do you now live your life? Like, how do you keep yourself um, feeling? I guess that presence, like of being in the moment and stuff is like the goal, right? It's what we all aim for, but it's really hard to achieve. Do you it's feel really like hard. you have that? Do you, are you there?
1: Yes. In way I uh, do you ever get there. I don't think so. I have a, like an anxious disposition. I'm definitely a worrier. I'm always worried about the kids getting sick now. Um, that's like my biggest fear in, in the world, but I, de- I meditate a lot. So I started meditating six years ago. Um, and I've, I've kind of religiously done it for the past six years.
0: How about um, do you make time to meditate when you're exhausted with a baby? Do you still do it? Not always, if I'm honest, I would, but, I would fall asleep if I were trying to meditate.
1: Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. But I think that's a good, that's a good result of it. You know, your mind is relaxed, you fall asleep. Um, I mean, at this early stage with the baby, it's, It's hard, but I also have a lot of, you know, when you have a newborn it's or toddlers or any age kids, it's stressful. You're always on the go. You're always thinking about a million things. Um, I'm amped up a lot of the time. So to step away for 10, 15 minutes and I don't care what anyone says, we all have 10 or 15 minutes. Like, there's no one out there that doesn't have ten or fifteen minutes in their day. Uh, like, put your phone down, stop yeah, scrolling. There's your 10, exactly fifteen minutes. I was
0: gonna say, yeah, it's 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 a choice. Like, if you want to scroll for these ten minutes, or just step away and and meditate. And sometimes I feel like scrolling is a little meditative for me. It's really not though, because it, I know deep down it's not yeah. like inner peace, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um.
1: (laughs) but it does it helps you to be in the moment in the present moment and that's something that prior to my parents passing away I was not in the moment I was always in my head Mm -hmm. like I missed moments because I was so in my head like I remember being at a wedding once and even on that incentive trip I was on I was telling you about before my dad passed I, I was highly anxious then when I look back I was I was just a bit all over the place mentally. Uh, I might not have seemed that way from outside, but I was all over the shop, um, as we say here. So uh, the meditation just really grinds you. And like, I'm not like a monk or anything. I'm a normal person. I I lose the handle. I, I drink, I get angry. And yeah, I'm just a normal human being. But the meditation really Grinds me in the present moment. Otherwise I would, given what's happened in my life, like the trauma of the past gives me a lot of anxiety for the future. So I'm at my best when I'm in the here and now. Yeah. Cause in, everything right now for me is great. I have two healthy kids, my partner, business is going well. I'm here talking to you. This is all good. Whereas prior to that, I'd always be worried about the future and, you know, getting sad about the past. So I, I'm best in the moment
0: yeah absolutely aren't we all because we're only ever guaranteed this moment right so we're yeah. appreciating it for now the here and now this is like my life's greatest lesson i feel like i'm always um reminding myself it's like a constant mental exercise to remember to stay in the moment for me it's not does not come naturally to me because i worry all the yeah, time. yeah me too like you said about the kids and their health like I was thinking about this all very recently. Like I used to worry about other things that were kind of irrational. What ifs, um, that felt like if, if this happened, then that would like ruin my life type thing. Right. Like, but now it's all completely focused on like health and my children, because I feel like that's all that like really matters to me. Like as long as we have our health, and we're together then that's all that's important so like any threat of that in my mind that i perceive as a threat is what sends me into like an anxiety spiral and then i have to be like yeah whoa whoa chill the fuck out caitlin that's anxiety not a fact or whatever
1: yeah and there's a great um there's i think we've been through trauma Um, And you've been through like a situation like I've been through, or maybe you've been through a column before you go through it. Like you're like, I could never imagine losing my parents. I could never imagine like losing someone to suicide. How do people deal with that? Like that would be my worst nightmare. I can never imagine losing, you know, whatever it is. And then you go through it and your worst fears are realized and you're like, Oh, the worst did happen. Okay. And I got through it. And I'm coming out the other side and it was really hard, but it did happen. But then you translate that to, you you see life differently. Like I know the worst can happen now. Whereas before I was naive to that. I was like, it'll never happen to me. Um, and I see that in a lot of my friends that haven't been through trauma or loss or anything like that. You know, they don't think anything will ever happen to them. And I, I envy that because I used to be that way. But like, I look at my kids or I look at George and I'm like, you know, I, I, that's why I have to do a lot of meditation because I'm like, something terrible could happen here. It's already happened to me twice before, you know, it's, it could happen a third, it could happen a fourth. That's why the meditation has to be part of my daily life. Cause that's where my mind goes. My mind goes to not just someone like getting a cold or in hospital, it goes to someone
0: dying, dying. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not like worried about, I'm just worried about death from illness. Like death, yes, that's, my full-on anxiety focus like yeah mine uh, is death
1: from illness and then mental health issues like yeah. I just hope everyone's okay
0: but... I know please be happy yeah <laughs> please be um, well. I uh so I wanted to ask because you frequently offer um meditation classes as well for your business
1: Yes. Um so we have George and I set up a wellness business in, in Ireland. So we go into other companies um and deliver all types of classes and seminars, but I also have my own meditation business. It's called Meditate with Laura. Um and prior to having my baby, I did live classes every day. But what I've recently built is a 21 day meditation course. So this is a, a one-time course, you can buy it online, it's all pre-recorded and it's completely perfect for beginners there's tons of bonus content in there and I walk you through absolutely everything so if you're looking to learn to meditate or you just want to improve your own practice it might be a nice place to start
0: yeah and who wouldn't want to listen to your voice honestly that accent and you just have a nice voice
1: the Irish accent
0: What's the accent plus the voice
1: I love your accent
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's such character So gross um (laughs) Well, I am so happy that you came uh, last minute today to chat with me.
1: Lastminute.com. Last I have to minute. go back now to my colicky baby.
0: I know. I'm so sorry, but you'll get I know. one too. I know. I know. It's f- a matter of a couple more months or something, and then you'll be. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. I hate that saying, but it's true. Yes, it <laughs> will.
1: But I say it to myself all the time when I'm up at two in the morning, I'm like, this will pass, this will pass. It,
0: it will, it will. Yeah. Um, well, I love you long time. And thanks for being here. And I'm going to tag you uh, in, in the show notes. So people can know where to find you. And I will also link to you when the episode publishes. I'm going to try to get it right out, but I yeah. a little bit on the recording. So we'll see how that goes. I think that was my fault. You can no. blame the Irish
1: internet connection. Isn't like it is.
0: Nobody will know. Um, all right. Love you lots. I'll Love talk you lots. Thank you for being here. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for any of the resources from the episode, you can check them out in show notes. Again, If you liked listening, I'd love it for you to subscribe. Until next time, peace out.